Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Running Things with Donovan Bailey. We are back for another episode of Running Things with my man, Donovan Bailey. How are you, Donovan? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's, an, it's another day. It's a beautiful day today. Uh, so I'm happy to be back and happy to be engaging in some discussions with you all out there. That's amazing. As always, I am your co-host, Simon Jane. And we, of course, have had a lot to talk about in recent weeks because, you know, Donovan being a... F- a track legend and the Olympics just finishing, which has sort of dominated our uh, landscape to, to boot. And here we thought we were going to move on and talk about something else, but we've been pulled back into the world of track. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think we get pulled back. I mean, because running things with Donovan Bailey, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're always going to have track. Track is going to be there. Track, no, track is definitely going to be here. It's going to be on the, on yeah, the, for sure. Uh, you know, but yeah, there was, um, there was an incredible track meet last week, and and um, and I think that again uh, with technology, uh, with uh, great marketing, with um, streaming, and also the fact that coming off the heels of the Olympic Games, everything's still popular. Uh, the great big race post Tokyo uh, happened last week. I think I touched on it last episode. You did? And, uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, you know, we knew that uh, the top three women on the planet, top three fastest women on the planet from the Tokyo Olympic Games are those three Jamaicans. Um, uh, it is Elaine Thompson, Shellyanne Fraser, and Sharika Jackson. So we had – it was very, very interesting. I mean, one of the things that, that, that occurred, though, was a young lady by the name of Shakari Richardson – uh, from the U.S., who started running some tremendous times. And we were looking forward to this incredible race in Tokyo. But, of course, as the old story goes, Shikari tested positive for marijuana, and she had to serve a 30-day suspension, which uh, allowed her or forced her to sit out the Olympic Games. So they, so the, the, the race in Oregon was quite interesting. My, uh, my expectation was that, Shakari was going to be extremely prepared. Uh, just based, so, I mean, the social media uh, posts and and the and the the bantering banter back and forth. Uh, I love that. I mean, you know, it it gives it gives track and field headlines. 
Uh, it's definitely not negative headlines. Uh, so I'm quite happy with that. So Shikari, uh, I thought was going to be very ready, very motivated. And for some reason, I thought that the three ladies from Tokyo, because one, you're traveling 12 hours back to North America, then you're going to, to Oregon, which is, you know, a couple of hours um, difference than, than the Eastern time zone. I thought that the three ladies were going to be flat, but apparently not. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, fl- flat. Uh, I, I was thinking... I was thinking that she would come out blazing. I I guess I kind of had that sort of underdog, um, you know, I can't believe I got cheated out of my moment at the Olympics and I'm going to come out of the gates with something to prove and a chomping of the bit and all these wonderful sports expressions that we use over time. And uh, yeah, I didn't see any of that. Well, marketing is a hell of a thing. And, uh, and, you know, social media and personal marketing is a hell of a thing. I mean, and again, uh, as I said, I, I love the banter. I love the banter online. It definitely, uh, it, it allows more people to watch, more eyes and ears on the sport, more eyes and ears on the event for all the right reasons. And so, uh, you know, again, I knew that, that, that Shakari was going to be motivated and, or should have been anyways. Uh, but I also thought that the three women would be, would, be, would be flat just because of travel and just because of major time zones. Uh, so uh, it was very impressive uh, to kind of see the lineup. Uh, but one of the things that I did recognize immediately uh, was exactly the lane placement of Shakari Richardson. I don't know if this is the, the you know, a starter's dream, but Shakari was placed right between uh, Elaine Thompson and Shelly Ann Fraser. Now, these two women, Elaine Thompson and Shelly Ann Fraser, are two of the fastest women in history currently running. And I'm talking about history. Uh, so I knew that it was, she had to have the greatest 30 meters or else she's going to be left behind. And so, uh, you know, I saw that, uh, you know, again, I was, I was nervous watching this uh, because I was looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, uh, she definitely had a terrible start and, uh, and, and, not, and having a terrible start against uh, Elaine and Shellyanne. It's not going to be a good day, uh, but, you know, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I think that Shikari lost the race. I think that um, she said that she that she's not done yet, which is amazing. I mean, you know, one of the great things about track and field or an individual sport, whether it's golf or tennis, is that if you have a bad day at the office, you kind of learn from that. You reset and you come back the next day. I'm looking forward to her next race. Uh, but what we're not talking about, which is crazy, is that Elaine Thompson should be the fastest woman in history. Elaine Thompson should be the world record holder. Now, there's always been, there's always been speculation about Flojo running 1049. And, uh, you know, even my coach, Dan Paff, said that uh, there, was a, there was a massive win behind her on that day. Uh, but, you know, if the win reading said it was 0.0, so be it. Uh, but Elaine Thompson definitely became the news of Oregon this past weekend should have been that Elaine Thompson damn near broke the world record. And, uh, and also there was a Jamaica sweep. So the exact same thing that happened in Tokyo uh, repeated itself. So, uh, you know, I, I know that as, as a Jamaican myself and knowing that sprinting is the number one sport, that if someone disrespects you, which apparently these things, these ladies were, <laughs> were doing a lot of that before the meet, uh, they take things personal. So they, I knew that, um, Shikari was going to have a tough time uh, just lining up against those three women. But, but again, the news should be 
that Elaine Thompson is definitely the fastest woman that's ever walked the face of the earth. And we know that Shelly Ann uh, is, is one of the most decorated sprinters, one of the most technically sound sprinters. And also we know that Sharika Jackson is definitely young, switched uh, events, and definitely is carving her way into becoming one of the greatest short sprinter, female short sprinters uh, also to walk the face of the earth. So uh, it was quite interesting. I think the Shikari story, um, you know, it's not overblown, but the Shikari stories, uh, you know, is definitely uh, one uh, that will be forgotten if she comes back and runs a, a, a good race the next time. But the story actually should be that Elaine Thompson was is uh, the fastest woman that ever walked the face of the earth. What would you say the like if you had to come up with reasoning why Shikari just didn't wasn't able to reach that level of competitiveness this weekend? What would be something that you would come up with as an answer? Like obviously you can't speak for her directly because you weren't there at the track with her. Uh, but if you know if you were asked as sort of like an analyst or something, what what would be a, a de- deciding factor uh, after having a month of extra rest or so forth to come out and compete at the level uh, at that level and, and being unable to reach it? Well, um, it, number one, it's race rust. Uh, all the ladies are coming. Um, the ladies from Jamaica are coming back from their bodies being fine tuned and in absolute uh, fine race form. Uh, Shikari's not. Shikari's coming from training. Uh, so, you know, that, that extra oomph, that step, uh, you know, that, you know, your body gets into this place, uh, your adrenaline gets into this place, uh, when you're under the lights and you're under pressure, uh, that, you know, your nervous system is, is firing on all, on all cylinders. Now, Shikari was not, Shikari hasn't competed in a month. So, so again, as much as she is motivated and wants to be, and wants to win, uh, I'm sure she does, uh, you know, coming, you know, getting, not competing for the last month uh, is definitely race rust. Uh, definitely uh, race rust from not being uh, with someone where your body has to get to that optimum level. I'm very certain that, uh, again, I'm ve- I want to see her next race. I want to see how that, how that, how, how she shows up there because, you know, the world definitely be watching. Uh, but race Russ would be one of them. Uh, I'm very certain that she's motivated. She said so post-race. Uh, but I always compare my body to a race car. And if you have a car, if you have a Ferrari and you took it out for, you take it out for a ride, you know, you go 150 miles an hour and then you park it today and you go another 150 miles an hour a few days from now, uh, that Ferrari will run way better than one that went 150 miles an hour a month ago. It sat in the garage, or maybe you just drove around the block, and then you want to take it to the next level uh, after sitting for a month. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it doesn't, but it's all right, Simon. I, I, just, I just can't imagine ever referring to my body as a Ferrari. That's all. I just, you know, I, I feel like I could I could maybe get to the gym and, and make that happen. But when I just really like... Um, cottage eating too much to really get there but i i do applaud and appreciate everyone that is getting there well well next level uh next level i mean yeah well yeah you, you don't understand next level in your body yeah, physically is. yeah i can get to right. the next level mentally like i can do that i can really hunker down uh <laughs> right but yeah but when ne- next level in your body i mean when you when you feel 
and you know that everything, every single molecule in, in your body is, is firing at exactly the time that it's meant to fire. Uh, that, that is definitely, uh, you know, something that anyone who's an athlete, who's been in the zone, uh, you, you know, you could be a musician too. You could be like, whatever, like it doesn't, like there. Yeah, when I'm, when I'm playing music, I can get there. I can zone out and sort of find my, my place right. and, and I, can, I can make it, you know, I can make it pretty unique and special. And, and, and in some cases, I would say like legendary. I've had some moments. Right. Um, I'm hoping to have a few more. <laughs> Hopefully this whole thing we're going through clears up soon. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, physically I can't, uh, I can't say that because, you know, I, I was a I was late bloomer too. I didn't even get to full height till I was like in my early 20s. So yeah, All I was, right. uh, yeah, it, track, track for me, it was uh, easy for the kids in my school going up against me, I'll tell you. Right. Short well, I mean, professional fans. track's a little different than high school track. I mean, it's a lot of times I meet guys and they're like, oh yeah, I did track in grade six. I'm like, yeah, I played golf when I was in grade six. And, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, when I'm, when I'm, you know, when I'm, when I get to have a chat with Tiger, I don't say, Hey man, I used to play golf back in the day because it's just a different, it's just a different thing. I mean, yeah. 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 Right. Professionalism versus yeah. like, you know what I wanted to ask you though? Cause you kind of got my brain peeking on the other thing was, um, you were talking about the marketing of the race. Uh, so obviously, you know, marketing and in, in sport, We've, we all know no one's dumb enough to know that it doesn't exist. It definitely exists. It exists in everything. That's why there's corporate sponsorships just flying all over the place. But in places like this, would you say that maybe marketing plays too much of a role? Like was Shikari set up to lose because she was almost marketed like she would be this phoenix rising from the ashes? You know, no, no, absolutely. First of all, marketing is needed. Marketing is necessary. Uh, there's no chance uh, that she was set up. I mean, at the end of the day, as a professional athlete, and we can dial this back, as a professional athlete, your expectations is for you to prepare, and when the lights shine on you, you shine. Right. And that's the bottom line. So it doesn't, I mean, you know, marketing is a hell of a thing. We see in tennis, again, I always compare track and field to tennis and to golf, because those are the only two sports. Individual sports. Those are the only two sports that it compares to. Only thing, track is more popular. That's the only thing. Uh, it's not as professionally controlled as tennis and golf because it is, there's so much participants around the globe. Uh, but marketing is absolutely a necessity. It's no different than what happened with her, uh, you know, with the marijuana or anything. You got to ensure that you prepare yourself for the opportunity to shine. And, and, and so, one... With social media, it's self-marketing, right? <laughs> and so if she's, chirping at, if she's chirping at the ladies in Jamaica or Jamaica Twitter or Jamaica anything, she is going to get a blowback and they are going to be watching. And if she doesn't respond the way they think, if she doesn't come in and upset or win against any of those ladies, she is absolutely going to get lambasted because that that is just how this is. And that's just the marketing of sport now. That's the individual marketing of each brand. That's the, that's, I mean, you know, people can spend, people can, people can sit in a basement and make tens of millions of dollars by just sitting in their basement, coming up with a unique idea, some sort of branding, getting out there and, and killing it on social media. So we right. know that. So the short answer to your question is marketing is absolutely necessary. And in this case, uh, it worked well. There was a ton of viewership post-Olympics, a week after the Olympic Games, uh, when this was supposed to be the race at the Olympic Games. The race after the Olympic Games was still it. 
And Even without was, her, yeah. Absolutely. And the, the viewership might have not been the same, but I can guarantee you this. Every sports body, sports media house, regular news network, they carried the results uh, of that race. You know? Right. So, so again, um, you know, they did the job that they were supposed to do. Unfortunately for Char- Shakari, you know, she had a bad day at the office. And, and hope, that ho- happens. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully... I will, uh, you know, we'll see her next week, and and she can she can start uh, making uh, making naysayers out of the people that think that she's not going to make it. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll return in a minute. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I just ran to the to the store to get well, a couple. You're definitely not beers. professional. Well, I mean, <laughs> wait. I mean, I could be considered a professional beer getter. That is a fact. If this, well, this is Canada. Maybe we'll put on the Winter Olympics because that's usually. Oh, we're gonna dominate this category. Yeah, that, that's usually where where they come up with these crazy ass. There's sports. no way on <laughs> earth Canada is not winning the official beer getting. Uh, contest in any games like maybe maybe like on the off year like a german comes in there or like an austrian or whatever but like if it's winter olympics i legitimately feel like we have this event locked right so you 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 might you might back to the real athletes one of the things that we haven't talked about is is the men's 100 meters and uh you know as a canadian there was a men's 100 meter (laughs) yeah i believe that there was you know as, as a as a canadian um our boy I'm 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 so happy for one Andre de Grasse. Andre, you know uh, I'm 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 very happy for him. Shout out Andre, you Andre know, the man. He is, uh, you know I think that, you know I said it in Tokyo. Uh, I thought that uh, him being in in lane nine and not being in the vortex, not being amongst the guys, the most powerful guys over the first thirty or forty meters. Uh, was a great disadvantage for him because he was out in lane nine and essentially he was on an island by himself. So he couldn't gauge and understand exactly what he needed to do for the first 30 meters and uh, what he needed to do in the middle and what he needed to do at the end. So now, Andre got an opportunity to to do that. I mean, he was he was right beside Fred Curley, who was a silver medalist, and uh, and 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 beside Trayvon Bromel, uh, who has been the fa- who is who who's, who is Still, the fastest sprinter in the world this year. 
So Andre was put in that vortex and he took full advantage of it, man. And I'm so proud of that kid. You know, hey, I, I saw 974. I thought that my Canadian record was gone and I want to send a shout out to him and a tweet out to him. And, and then I realized that, um, that the, uh, you know, that the, that the wind, there, there, was a, there was a slight tailwind. So I'm just saying to him, go get that record. One of the things that I do, why, why I have the past the baton, um, uh, charity uh, is is simply this: as someone who has been there, as as you know, as uh, the Olympic champion, the world record holder, uh, uh, the world champion, uh, you know that you must always play it forward uh, for the younger kids and the next generation of great leaders. And and I'm doing this personally when I look at someone like Andre, and I'm like, this kid has been working real hard, real smart. He's putting in the work. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to him breaking that record. I'm looking forward to him, you know, running, you know, much faster. One of the things I learned as a child, my father always said that he is going to work his butt off so that my life was going to be better than his life. And then what I should do is I should work hard to make my kids' lives better than, 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 than my life. And so when I look at, again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like a proud papa, like I'm Andre's father, but technically, I guess, <laughs> technically it could be because he, I mean, he is, he is the exact same age as my oldest child. I wouldn't say there is right? anyone would have a problem with calling you the father or godfather <laughs> of Canadian track. I feel like you've earned the title and, and you know what? I really enjoyed listening to you sort of give him a, a shout out right now. It's, I, I honestly feel like super, um, honor to be here in this moment when you, you, as you say, quote unquote, pass the baton. Passing the baton. Uh, and you said that's your charity? Yes. Yes. Uh, we, you want to tell us a bit about that? Well, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that I, I like to play things forward. And so uh, we have a national uh, charity called Pass the Baton Canada. And this is purely a mentorship program. Uh, what I uh, what I challenge every single Canadian to do uh, is to pass on the education and the wisdom and the experiences that they've had in their lives to the next generation so the next generation could be better. So go to PassTheBatonCanada.com and you will, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, and when you see young kids doing well and you can contribute to it or you can give them knowledge and wisdom and experiences that you have, whether they take it or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I'm, I am number four of five boys in my family. So I got men mentorship and advice whether I needed it or not, or whether <laughs> I was better than my brothers or not. Uh, uh, so, yeah. so, so that's what I do, uh, you know, with this. And, and so, you know, with that, I look at someone like Andre and he's doing, he's doing an incredible job uh, in sport uh, and also being a dad and being a real good kid and being an ambassador of my sport. So, I mean, again, kudos to you, young, young youth, and keep it going. Cheers to that. Um, so, I did a little digging when we were talking last time, and uh, I wanted to ask you this very quickly. You don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but um, we talked about how put it, being in the farthest lane was sort of like an island, like a no man's land. And some of the things that uh, you mentioned were very uh, competitive-based, as in how you feel about the other, like you're feeling the intensity from the other competitors and that in, in essence drives you forward. Um, 
Was did you notice anything? Because some of the things I read online, some people said that it's it's harder to hear the gun in lane nine. No, oh, I mean you hear the gun. You you, you the, the gun. There, there's no lane that it's really hard to hear the gun okay. because you're not. The, the number one thing of this big massive misnomer is that you're not sitting in the blocks listening for the gun. The guy who's listening for the gun is the guy coming out last. Oh yeah. Right. Right. So this is this is reacting to the gun is way different. That is an insight that I think a yeah. lot of people don't know. Right. Re- reacting to the gun. This is learnt behavior. This is learnt. This is learnt physical behavior you're reacting to the gun which simply means that you need to get out of the blocks you got to understand proper shin angles and then you got to drive so essentially you're setting your body up to fly the first 30 meters of any race you're setting your body up to fly so reacting to the gun is 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 what you do but when you're what happens is that in usually in the middle of any race there is a, there's, it's, it's like an electricity. It's like a vortex where you can literally feel people around you. You shouldn't be looking for someone because, again, if you're looking around at the blocks, you're coming last. Uh, you know, so uh, there's this vortex. So when you're in lane nine, there's dead space. So it's almost like, you know, for those of you who is, who is in media, it's like dead space when you're alive. So if you're in a race and you're in lane one or lane nine, one side of your body, there's absolutely just dead air. So there's nothing there. That vortex is not there. So essentially what you have to do is depend on your own training, uh, your own uh, ability to focus, your own ability to, to execute and hopefully run your own race, uh, go through the proper transitions, stay relaxed, and maybe look over at the line, which is kind of what Andre, <laughs> which, which what, what, what Andre did at the Olympic Games. What he got to do, though, in Eugene was to be part of the vortex. He got to be in the mix with the fastest guys so he knew exactly what's going to happen. So when he made a move or when Fred made a move, uh, either one of them could respond. And I saw Fred make a move, and then Andre made a move, and then Andre just relaxed. And that's the result of, uh, you know, 9.74, you know, which would be a phenomenal time for him. I believe that he can run that fast legally, and hopefully I see it this year. Do they incorporate these um, sort of like wind uh, dynamics into the the metrics of it all? Like when they're recording the times and recording all these things for like posterity and just... Uh, oh, absolutely. They do. Well, I mean, they, 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 you, you have to be less than two meters per second uh, tailwind, tailwind in order for them to record it as a legal recording. So uh, every sing- so what, what, what Andre will have, he will have his fastest time still as being 989, but then he'll have wind-assisted times, but that's just an asterisk to the side. Right. Interesting. I learn something new every day. Um, I have a question about social media. If you had social media back in Atlanta, would you have tweeted at Michael Johnson? Well, well, one, I didn't raise Michael Johnson in, in, in Atlanta. Oh, sorry. So, what was that? So, so I would have, had I had, so had that, had social media existed in 1996, I'd probably have, you know, I'm very certain I'd have, you know, two or three or 400 million people following that. that that's not, a, that's absolutely not a problem at all. Um, that, that, and, and that's, that's dead serious. It's like, so it's like you and Michael Jackson, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. That, that, that's, that, that's kind of where we were at that time. The biggest stars in the world. That's, that's usually, that, that's, ex, oh, that, that's exactly what it is. You know, so Michael and, and so, uh, listen, Michael John, so tweeting at someone, well, you know, we, 
when in competition when I was competing, we didn't tweet at each other. We actually chirped directly in your face. No, we've seen it. I've, right? I've seen multiple right? videos so, of you doing this. Right. So this so so this was just standard stuff. So I would have just loved to not only were you confronting people on the track, and sometimes it became very serious. We'll say, but. To, to actually have the ability to go online, oh my God, I would have had a field day. So, in, I mean, just because I, I, you know, I love framing it out because I like to imagine these things. Are you talking like pre-race? Like, would you just be ribbing them? I should say, not just him, because I'm sure there'd be multiple targets. I'm sure Linford's in there as well. Um, or are you waiting for the race to end and then you're really loading up? Because like, you've had some fairly... Um, <laughs> legendary post-race comments. Right. And uh, would you just like you know, spend the rest of the night, like the next day, we'd just be like killing them, like online, just, just ribbing them. Like, no, because, because, it's, because the thing is for me personally, it was always pre-race. I mean, there's always people chirping and I'd be like, uh-huh. But then you go out and crush someone. You'd be like, you just look at them and you walk away. I mean, there's no need to, I like, I don't like, I don't, you know, unless I'm, you know, I've done something spectacular. I don't actually need to gloat. So, so, so ultimately for me, we always had press conferences before. And we had post conferences after, so right. so yeah. So I mean, if you know, if someone was chirping at you, uh, you get out, you execute, you win, and then and then when it's over, it's like, yeah, man, have a good day, man. And you you know, someone's hurting, so you, I don't need to rub salt. Okay, in their so this raises <laughs> a, a much larger point. Then, so um, you, in some way, left it all on the track. So really, maybe you wouldn't have been that bad on social media because maybe there would have been some type of integrity to you where you felt like, yeah, I just whooped his ass. I don't need to go on Instagram right now and gloat about it. I'll post a picture of me with my medal. That's, that should do it. Yeah. But that's what it is though. That, that would, but I mean that alone, I mean, that that's, that's what social media is. Social media could be like, I'm going to be like, when I competed, I always was ready. And after I was done, I'm like, Oh, see, it's, I told you, I, I mean, I, and I didn't need, like, I mean, I told you, uh, you know, to the media. It wasn't even, like, it wasn't, it, like, and we obviously did that with, to conventional media. So it didn't, like, I didn't have to do anything. Like, it, like, it's almost like, like, when I look at social media now and I'm thinking, if I was competing, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to the Olympics to win. And then after I win, I just put a medal emoji and then and a medal emoji and, like, and, a, and, a, and, 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 like, a, and one of these, uh, Fist girl but don't you that's think, it. see now, don't you think that's what's missing right now? That integrity. Like, don't, don't you think because you were built this way, you were built to deliver. If anything, you probably challenge yourself. Not anything. I know now we've spoken enough times. You have challenged yourself more than any person ever could. You personally have. Right. So your mentality is different. Your mentality, when I try to think about your mentality versus other athletes, I I'm putting you in the same sort of mental acuity, like focus as like Kobe Bryant, as like LeBron James, guys who like- Tiger. You know, Tiger, for sure. Right. But now what you, now we have like a modern star who, who maybe they do have that same makeup. Maybe they do. But it, for me, I, and, I'm, and maybe we're going to get some haters from the show when I say this. I'm beginning to see certain athletes as not having that integrity. And, and maybe integrity is strong. Maybe what I mean is maturity. Um, Kevin Durant right. is an example that comes to me. This is all imagination. We're, we're just surmising what would happen. We don't obviously know. What I mean is 
it would it would serve to your personality that you would sort of be a bit more modest about your win. And yes, you would post the emojis. And yes, maybe you would post a, uh, the, the, some of the pictures if you post win are so legendary. You'd have to post you have to post those. But um, then you have guys like Kevin Durant who basically are. I would say potentially he's the best basketball player in the NBA currently. He's, yeah, he's the, he's the best basketball player. I would say so. Uh, his, his shooting I is out of uh, So you have- He's also University of Texas product. So cool. <laughs> uh, alma mater? Is, yes. is that all? Well, you know. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Is Austin. that where you went? Yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, for a short stint. I was, I was there as a student, but- um, so I'm, I'm but, saying, but I was training there for many years. Okay, so you're so you you have a soft spot for Kevin Durant, which is an interesting that that came out of my mouth. So no, it's all good. Shout out to University of Texas and all you all you all you people down there. Longhorns, Longhorns, Longhorns. Oh, Hook the orange, horns. orange Longhorns. I got it. Hook em horns. I know what it looks Hook like. Horns. Um, you've seen Kevin Durant how he is on social media. Yes, have you seen it? Uh, you know, I, I uh, yeah, of course. Why he not? engages with fans like they're like. But he, this is what it is today, Simon. I mean, like, and I, and I, and and here's here's a big part of like my generation uh, compared to today's generation. One, uh, when I was competing, uh, you were extremely popular because people didn't know anything about your private life. People didn't see you. Uh, didn't see what you ate for breakfast. People didn't see you go into the toilet. People didn't see you at the beach. People didn't see you doing, uh, you know, you know, kissing your kids or your mom. People didn't see that, and that was major. And that was fame uh, when 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 I was competing. Fame. I mean, it's no different than when you watch movies and stuff. You'll see, like, you only see like amazing stars on premiere day, right? You don't know. You, other than that, you don't know what what else is happening. The stars of today is Kevin Durant. The stars of today is. Someone chirping at you on the sideline while you're playing and you're telling them about their ass or someone on social media telling you something and you're engaging with them as if you're in a, like, as if this is one of your boys and you're in a, and you're, and you're, and you're in a backyard brawl. I mean, that's, that, but that's how it is. I mean, it's again, my generation is just way different and I, and I get to learn and understand what this is all about. The, the stars of today I think that fans expect them, first of all, fans expect to know everything about you. And to me, that's still crazy. Like it, like it's, it's still crazy to like, me, and I'm right? part of this generation. It's still crazy. Right, but I'm saying to you that, that with Kevin, or with anyone else for that matter, who's engaging, uh, well, engaging at, that, at, at the ut- utmost um, level with, with fans themselves, uh, you know, first of all, fans... Fans reach out to you because they because if they see you on their mobile device or television screen, they feel that they know you. They feel that you are their friend. I mean, and that's just what's going on. Man, listen, there's people having relationships over social media that's never physically met each other. Come yeah. on. Like, again, all these things are completely foreign to me. But that's what that's where we are today. Where again, my generation, um, you know, privacy was a privilege. Privacy was how you grew your brand. And now growing your brand means that you got to tell people it's everything a, you're doing. It's an all access pass. And you got to engage yourself with everything. And to me, it's still very, I mean, although, you know, I'm probably 0.005% of what my social media should be. Maybe that's why, because I still think, I still think that privacy is something that I cherish and privacy is something that uh, 
you know, I, I mean, you know, engage, engaging with fans and, and talk to them. And as a sports person, you know that there's always going to be criticism. Someone's always, someone's going to love you and someone's going to hate you. Yes, that is right? true. Right. And I, and maybe I grew up caring about and, and understanding that marketing's a hell of a thing. And if someone likes you, you love them. And if someone hates you, you say, thank you for your support because you actually thought about me. And now you can say, you know, hey, you know, so now in today's world, you can say, um, thank you for su your support for those who like you. And for the haters, you said, man, you are so-and-so and you're so-and-so and you're so-and-so. -so -so. <laughs> right, I mean, right. holy crap, man. I mean, so yeah. So, so it's, again, this is a different world. So I like the, 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 the athletes who are engaging because they're, they're playing exactly into the world we live in today. And had I been, uh, or had, uh, or, or, I mean, I know my own personality, but I'm very certain that if I was of this generation, I would be no different than probably the most aggressive guy on the field of play, as well as in social media. And there you have it. Private eyes are always watching you, especially in the new age of modern sports media. Well, that's another episode of Running Things with Donovan Bailey. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, as always, we are powered by ACAST. If you liked what you heard, please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review us. We appreciate your time and support. Donovan, we out. Say goodbye. Adios and see you next week. Running Thanks with Donovan Bailey.